The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. Kia ora koutou katoa, and welcome to Business is Boring. Golf has a new growth in popularity, with more young people playing than ever before, and the start of the new Live League that is bringing a team's approach and some showbiz to the sport. But if you go to play golf today, it's still very traditional. You need to follow the rules and conventions and dress codes, and you need a lot of clubs and gear. Or at least you did, before Kiwi Simon Moore developed a new adjustable single club that can do the job of 14 or so standard clubs, going from a hybrid to a putter and to everything in between. It's called the Q and is looking to foster a lighter approach to golf. Simon Moore has form. Before this, he designed a puku putter, a putter with a long handle that rests against your stomach. He sold technology he developed to Nike that ended up being used in clubs used by Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. To talk innovating, challenging convention and the future of golf, Simon Moore joins us now. Tenakwe, thank you for being here, Simon. Oh, thanks, Simon. I'm a long-time listener to your podcast. I love business and I love entrepreneurship. Love it. Long-time listener, first-time guest. Um, great to have you on. And t- tell us about your path into entrepreneurship, as that's so cool that there's been a number of kind of technologies that you've developed that you've sold into some of the world's biggest golf companies. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think sometimes people that don't know enough and um, a little bit ignorant of a category um, can come up with a, the next big thing. And so my pathway's been slightly bizarre, Um, I was an optometrist and had my own practice. And then I got interested in blacksmithing. So I I hired a 300-year-old, no, I didn't hire, they wanted me in there, National Trust property in Scotland, and I taught myself blacksmithing and uh, broke a couple of bones. (laughs) And then uh, we came back to New Zealand with a couple of kids as souvenirs from our UK trip. And for a while I did blacksmithing. But I was a long-term golfer. And golf is a little bit desperate in character. Um, Half the patents in sport in the U.S. are filed in one category, golf. It tells you something about golfers. So um, I had this idea of belly putting, um, connecting to your uh, your belly, and hence the name Puku. So around about 1999, I started going to the, uh, the biggest trade show in America, and developed a company around marketing the this new category of, of putting, which I thought I'd invented, although it seems that it had come from at least 1937. So that, we could say, was a technical success, Simon, but a marketing and margin failure. I really didn't understand much. And... Um, so um, we had some success with intellectual property, which we can talk about in a moment. 
And um, and then there was a little bit of a dust up in the company, um, so I decided to move on and um, and did roofing, weirdly. Um, now, recently we had an advisor and he said, Simon, how can you do all these things? They're all completely different. But weirdly, what I learned in blacksmithing and what I've used in golf and what I've used in roofing and what I've used in golf more recently is basically the same recipe of the way you connect things together. So they're not unrelated. And tell us about the puku putter, like that idea of a belly putter. I mean, is that pretty unconventional on the golf course? Is that kind of in the rules to rest your... Uh, or how, how, do, how do the mechanics of it work? Like paint a picture for, for us. Sure. Well, basically, um, I'd wandered upon the idea of working as an optometrist in Dundee. Um, and I remember I had a golf putter in my in my uh, examination room and between sometimes between patients, I'd just have a little putt. And I remember one day, weirdly, thinking, oh, I wonder if the putter was a bit longer. It would hit my body. Where would it hit? And um, I was quite a good golfer. And I remember um, kneeling on some books um, in the consulting room um, with my putter and found out, of course, it hits around about your belly button. So what you're doing with a belly putter is you're creating stability. You're creating a point from which to pivot. Now, what I've come to realize, Simon, is that the really great ideas, the really exciting ideas, which are the dangerous ideas, they are usually going to be absolutely ridiculed by everybody. And I think the first few few family and friends that I told about this, the first 500 probably, thought that this was a completely fruit loop, stupid idea. And when we, so, but, you know, I persevered and, and Fiona, my late wife and, uh, and friends were very supportive and there's a lot of commitment needed from people around you. And when I first, when, when we, it was we then, when we first brought the puku putter to the market around about 2005, I think you could say that belly putters were a completely fringe area still. However, golf evolves, and within a couple of years, three out of four majors were won by three different players, all using belly putters. Now, by that time, Puku was a bit of a basket case for commercial success. We really didn't have enough margin or enough knowledge about distribution and channel and all these things you need. And um, so we were out of that, but we had technology which had been developed. Um, from understanding um, how do you uh, make something adjust in the golf world. Yeah, cool. And then being able to kind of sell that technology and keep innovating. Tell us about the the technology that you sold and that ended up being used by, you know, some of the, the you know, Rory McIlroy, still, still one of the top golfers in the world, and Tiger Woods, who, you know, would be the best known golfer in the world. Yeah, well, look, neither of those would know that um, <laughs> that the technology came from New Zealand. Um, you know, we went to the launch uh, in um, in Orlando and um, went up to the stand and said to people on the stand just anonymously, because only the head honcho the, of of, um, of Nike Golf was there, and all these staff, 30, 50 staff, they'd been told the same sort of story, you know, and they gave us the story. And the story was... 
Well, Nike's got this research and development place in, in uh, it's called The Oven, and it's in Fort Worth. I've been there, of course. And, um, and they've got some very clever people here with PhDs and so forth. But, of course, in reality, it came from a tiny little pimple of a company in New Zealand and, uh, um, and, and the, the checkbook of Nike Golf in Portland. So that was a real story. But we didn't tell people that, you know, we just listened to the same story from a few people and thought, <laughs> that's what Tiger's been told. <laughs> hey, what was the technology you sold into them? Oh, it's, look, a mark of some good technology is to be ridiculously simple. It was basically, if you have a tube, normally the wall thickness is the same all the way down the tube. So if you think of a normal tube, it's two millimetre wall. However, a tube can have a leaning internal bore. So the bore cannot be parallel with the outside. If you do that twice, which was the magic, you can finish up with something which can adjust the alignment between two things. So in a golf club, you can change the loft lie and face angle very precisely. So that's what uh, it was all about. It was really simple. And the people, the accountants at Nike must have been really annoyed to be firing a lot of money at us because they would have been looking at their R&D people and thought, well, we're giving you $30 million a year and now you want us to spend more money on these Tosses in New Zealand. So I <laughs> would have loved to have been in the room, Simon. I'd love to have been in that room. And tell us about what got you. You say you're a, a, a good golfer and a keen golfer. What got you into golf and what do you enjoy about it? Well, most people get into golf through friends and family. And for me, it was my parents. They were keen golfers. In fact, um, my grandmother was a keen golfer. So I started about my first memory of golf was and West Town Golf Course, caddying for my father, probably about seven. But I think my caddying for my father involved me sitting on the trundler while he pulled it. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and what got you interested in the idea of an all-in-one club? Does it have form? Uh, well, um, you know how I, when I talked a moment ago about um, things have usually been done in the past, so the belly putter wasn't my idea, although I thought I was the very first. Uh, it, so, it, so it happens with adjustable clubs for the whole round. The very first golf club in this, ca- in this category was called Urquhart, and it was developed from 1893, and it was actually used legally in the, two, in the 1905 British Open, where the player came 18th out of 150. So the category has been around a long time. And one thing I sort of share with potential investors is that, in a way, the category is very validated because there have been some commercial successes and it's been around for more than 100 years. But on the other hand, the category is, has had no attention from any company of merit for 35 years. So um, I knew, I bought a club maybe about, 98, um, I certainly bought it online, so it must have been the beginning of the internet. And I found it, I found the concept, Simon, very interesting, but the reality very disappointing. Um, so I sort of stored it in my mind that one day, wouldn't it be good to, to really make it work? Yeah. Ah, and we'll be back in a moment to hear from Simon how he developed the Q Club and what's next.
Spark is proud to partner with the Sustainable Business Network and the Climate Action Toolbox. The free Climate Action Toolbox can provide you with simple step-by-step guides to measure and reduce your emissions. Help lead the way to a low-carbon future for New Zealand. Visit sparklab.co.nz forward slash sustainability to find out more. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Hokimayano, and welcome back to Business is Boring. Hey, so we're with Simon Moore from the Q Club. So how was it that you went about making your own version of this adjustable club? It's, it's kind of batty, right? Like it's quite a mad thing to do to be able to replace a massive golf bag <laughs> with one club that can shift through all of the different lofts. But also it makes a lot of sense because all of these clubs are essentially the same, just with different lofts or facings. Yeah, well, well um, if we look back to Poku, I didn't know people in the industry. I didn't know much, didn't have much money. I was kind of clueless and keen, I think we can safely say, right? Um, sorry, investors in Puku, but that's the truth. Now, with Q, um, Simon, it was, it was different, 20 years on. You know, um, I knew people in the industry, right? I actually, you know, I, I knew people who were designers. I'd met with them. Um, I was connected with them on LinkedIn. Uh, I knew that I didn't know everything. Um, I knew that I needed to get other people with different skills involved very quickly. And so, so the, look, absolutely, the core idea of how we're doing this, the, it's, it, you could call it a reverse taper, self-locking spline system. Uh, engineers will be excited to hear that, no one else. Look, um, I basically did the core, and then we've actually, we, can, we can thank the government for a little bit of encouragement here. So let me just share that. 2020, COVID comes along, and we're all in lockdown. And um, not long after that, the government was trying to encourage businesses to to survive or maybe find a new thing. And I was contacted by someone at Venture Taranaki who said the government had a, a small grant. And did I have anything that I was thinking about doing? And I, I had sort of started... But that grant did encourage me further. I got $5,000, which I used to engage an engineer in Christchurch, who's now an absolutely key part of our team. In fact, we're going to China. Four of us are going to China to visit suppliers next week. So I met Dan through that grant, and that $5,000 has now had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars following on. And we've had a little bit of investment, which has helped. But... You know, um, you don't do these big things by a person can have the start. One person typically is going to have the start, but you need to gather around a bunch of people who have got passion and understand it, and and and, and challenge, and and some money occasionally, uh, and that's been a key difference here. Um, 
back in 2000, didn't have the core pieces. Now, absolutely much better. And where are you selling these at the moment? So it's like you've got them live through kind of the queue online um, presence. Yes. And they're what they're being sold. They're being sold kind of all around the world. What kind of feedback have you had from that? Um, yeah, our website is q.golf um, and we're selling on Amazon as well. But um, this is an early adopter position at the moment. Uh, there would be regular golfers listening to this that would say, well, that's a terrible idea. I love my 14 clubs and my bag and all my gear. And, but you know what? There's broadly speaking 100 million golfers in the world. And as you mentioned in the intro, um, the whole pandemic thing has given golf a boost. So we're selling, uh, we're selling, we're using digital channels um, where we've just started marketing. We did an initial Kickstarter. Um, I, I didn't know. I listened to your one with um, the founder of uh, Allbirds. I, I didn't realize they had done a Kickstarter as well to start. We did a Kickstarter to, to really just start with, but then it's been word of mouth. And we've, so far, I think we've sold in 35 countries. And um, we've got raving fans. We've got people who have just, Abandon the other way of playing golf, the old heavy way, the lighter golf. Yeah, what are the use cases? So that kind of lighter golf idea, like, yeah, how are people how are people using these in place of like um, the normal approach of turning up with a great big golf bag, all of these different clubs that you're you're learning and lugging around? Well, our community um, they share quite a bit, and they. Some people use it for travel. Some people use it for just leaving a golf club in the car so that you can go and play nine holes when you drive past little golf course. Some people use it for walking with a dog on the golf course. But most people are using it as an alternative way to play, shall we say, normal golf. So they're not using it as a gimmick. They're not using it as a, as a completely casual thing. Most people seem to be going out with just the Q Golf Club or maybe adding a three-wood um, so we're learning. Um, this is all about community. Um, we're going to use every app and every digital tool available. Um, we will have a, you know, a lighter set of rules. We'll have a lighter handicapping system. We will create tournaments, um, buzz events, um, get significant sponsors. Um, we're not out... As you can tell from that sort of line of thinking, the assignment, we're not out to be a fringe player. We're out to be a significant player, but very focused on lighter, simpler golf. Yeah, and lighter as a concept, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me if you look at things like cricket, where, you, you know, it went from tests to one days to T20. And then in the social side of things, also, if you wanted to play social cricket, you know, indoor cricket is a great kind of thing where it's cricket, but different games, different setup, different gear. Um, Last Man Standing has been really popular as a way for people who don't want to spend their entire Saturday and Sunday playing, but still play socially. But that hasn't happened to golf, right? Like, no matter what you're doing, you still have to turn up and play by the conventions of the clubs. And so, yeah, there's something really interesting about social golf being able to have... um, you know, a, a different, lighter approach without all of that that, that stuff. Yeah, well, the um, and the great thing about it from a business perspective, Simon, is that no one's paying attention really to um, really focusing on simpler, lighter golf. Um, so the big companies, they've, they've basically got the same, they've all got the same story. TaylorMade, Titleist, Ping, TaylorMade, uh, Callaway. 
um, Cleveland, they all tell the same story, which is kind of a little bit dull and boring. And the story is this. One, our clubs are used on tour. See, they must be good. Two, the clubs we're selling this year to you are better than the ones last year. However, the rules of golf actually don't allow them to be better, and they know it. Uh, So fortunately, they're all telling the same marketing story. You need 14 clubs. You need to change them every two years, and you simply um, need to play this complicated game. And they try to say we want golf to be faster. Do you know what? We, We are delighted that currently our club is not legal for competition play. Because the longer it is not legal for competition play, the more we have the, the playing field to ourselves. It's, it's brilliant. And these big companies will only react when, when they see that there's a big market. And at the moment, there's a small market. Maybe we could get a million people over the line in the next few years. Let's wait and see. And for you personally, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm re- really excited about this kind of thing as golf even if you're not a conventional golfing person and not a traditional traditionalist, you have to fit into those moulds to play anywhere, right? And so there hasn't been that kind of um, place that you can be more casual, a place that it could be a bit quicker. Um, so, yeah, there's some really exciting exciting stuff there. But for you, what keeps you working on these things that are, you know, quite unconventional, like the pukupada and, you know, replacing all of the clubs? They're quite new ideas in golf, right? And like you say, they can come from being quite an outside thing um, in, in the first instance. Yeah, what, what drives you to be looking at these things in these different ways? Well, I think obviously money isn't enough. I mean, people who've had money soon realise that. Um, this isn't about money. Um, if 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 my little career was about money, I would have stayed an optometrist. Guess what? I was earning very well, and and I was quite good as an optometrist, and I would have earned considerably more. This cue is anything. If you take your passion to business, it has to become a business. Otherwise, it will choke you. Right? You have to have a great margin. But cue is about um, it's about making golf lighter, lighter on the planet lighter on the pocket, lighter on um, the clutter that you need and making it more accessible. And for me, you know, what what I'd like to think about is I'd like Q to be a leading brand in 100 years. I'd like lighter golf to be the main way of golf. I think your your comment about T20 cricket and, and, and there's other examples in, in sports. I think, you know, when you know, I'm old enough to remember when, when – um, Cricket was five days, and you know, oh my, oh, um, boycott got a single, and it was really tedious and boring, and I, I loved it. But that, but now it's not like that. And I think one of the things I've realised with with what we're doing, so there will be a lot of golfers listening to your to your podcast, Simon, and and some of them will be saying, yeah, but I like golf the normal way. But those people who are my age, I'm sixty four. Um, they will remember when they started playing golf, maybe if they started in their teens or 20s, every golf club that they used then, every bit of gear and kit that they had then is not even available now. Um, Steel shafts and drivers, um, wooden heads, steel spikes on golf shoes, golf balls that were wound rubber. There were no carry bags of any merit with pop-out legs. Um, there were no the, the clothing you wore in the rain wasn't very good. Golf gloves weren't very good. 
There were no hybrids. <laughs> there were no no drivers with golf club heads the size of babies' heads. Um, no graphite shafts. You know, it's kind of like revolution can come quickly, but it can also sneak up on you. So Q could be lighter golf could be could be what's T20 is to cricket, which you sort of touched on. I don't know, but the main thing that we've got to do is have fun and and ha- and make enough money so we can really drive it. What would your advice be for people who do look at things from a different viewpoint and think, "Oh, I could make something that could uh, <laughs> that could change this up." Like, yeah, what 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 keeps you going and and has um has worked for you in bringing these ideas to market and fruition? Well, you know, um, you have to make a lot of mistakes and you've got to have people around you that support you. And um, so that's that's kind of cliche, you know, the old sort of cliched business person standing on the stage, I couldn't have done it without my wife and family. There's a lot of cliches that are actually true. Um, so, look, um, it's not easy. My advice to someone is that you, you've got to find something you love, but... And here's a big but. And you've got to and you've got to follow your own path. Yeah, you've got to love it and you've got to follow your own path and ignore the opposition and ignore the haters because there will be some people who will really hate what you're doing. But you you've got to also make it make commercial sense, right? And this is where I don't I don't think of myself as an inventor at all, because inventors, by and large, um, they don't survive because their idea fades. You you've got to have you've got to have passion. You've got to have a great product or service, something unique. You've got to have a great team around you, people. You've got to have perseverance, uh, and you're going to have to make money because if you're not going to make money, it will it will the stress will will you'll want to give up. So yeah, go find the passion thing. But you know if your idea is to is to do hand knitting and make a really great business out of it. You're just going to struggle because you're never going to be able to create volume. You've got to find the combination of everything and um, and expect it to be terrible <laughs> at times. Absolutely. <laughs> Tragic. Has that encouraged anyone listening? I doubt it. Whatever. <laughs> and as a final thought, Simon, what will success be yeah. for you and for Q? Well, um, for Q, I want Q, you know, I'm 64. Um, my two sons are involved in the business. Um, w- one of my sons said a very interesting thing when he asked whether he could join. He said, um, you know what, uh, I, um, I, I, I'm not sure if I'll find anything in my life that could change an endi- entire industry. So from Q's perspective, I would like Q to be around in 100 years, right? So I'm never going to know that but That's since you asked. That's what I'd like. I'd like it to be lighter golf to be the main thing and Q to be the leader. So for myself, here's a nice little simple image that I've got. I would like to be, you know, driving through Utah or or Lincolnshire or Malaysia and be and be walking past or turn up at a golf course and see four people that I don't know, complete and utter strangers, standing on the tee at the first there laughing, going out to have a game of golf, and all just holding one golf club. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story of the journey so far. 
And yeah, can't wait to see where you take it next. That's Simon Moore, the founder at Q Golf. Kelda, thank you for being with us. So thank you to Simon Moore, to you for listening, and for everyone who helps make this happen, like our producer, Samuel Robinson. Do follow Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts, and be sure to rate and leave a review if you like what we do. In Ohura. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.